Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Matthew 9, verse number 36. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, this is Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Don't we all need more laborers? Um, we sure do. When we look at verse number 36, what does Jesus want people to have? Look at the verse right at the end of the verse 36. It says, as sheep having no shepherd. What does Jesus want people to have? A shepherd. We're going to talk about that in relation to the pastor shepherding. We looked at last week, what is a pastor? We did two messages on that. The word shows up one time in the New Testament in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Uh, the word shepherd or shepherds shows up 18 times in the New Testament. Uh, is the pastor a deacon or a bishop or an elder? I don't believe so. I think that's a different office, and we're going to look at that next week. Uh, or is he a shepherd? Do and, and if he is a shepherd, do we get to pick the shepherd that we want? These are some questions that we'll try to answer. Uh, let's go to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. Watch what the Bible says. Verily, verily, John chapter 10, verse number one. I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way. You can't climb through good works. You can't climb through evolution. You can't climb through religion you can't climb through baptism but climbeth up some other way you can't do any other way the same as a thief and a robber but he that entereth in by the door that's jesus christ but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep now we're going to go a little bit further in john chapter 10 but isn't that an interesting verse we know that the door is jesus christ Who's the shepherd of the sheep? Well, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to, you've heard the term under shepherd. <laughs> it's somebody that is called by God, divinely called by God. And that person would not be coming in his own name. He would not be coming for his own honor. He would not be coming for his own office or his own title for himself. Uh, he's called by God. He's invested in the work and his mission is from Christ as his mission is for Christ and his authority is from Christ. Let's keep reading because it gets interesting to him. The porter openeth, the porters, the, the doorkeeper and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Who would that be? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and when he putteth forth his own sheep, 
he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Um, who should all of us, are, are we, remember we went over this last week? What are we all? Sheep. Whose voice should we be listening for? The shepherd's voice, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. That's who we should be putting our stock in. Verse number six, this parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. Where do we get life from? Jesus Christ. And that they might have it more abundantly. Where do we get abundant life from? Don't say First National Bank. Don't say Creflo Dollar. I don't believe that's your last name. Don't say the prosperity gospel guys. Where do we get abundant life from? Jesus Christ. Now, verse number 11, and we'll pause here for a second. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If you are a pastor, you are given to oversee God's flock. <laughs> well, we just want to vote in a pastor. <laughs> we just want to call a pastor and nominate a pastor. Wait a minute. I thought we all have one. Jesus Christ. I thought he's the pastor. I thought he's the shepherd. Do you think my wife wakes up in the morning and says, my husband is my shepherd. I shall not want. No, of course not. You know what she says? The Lord is my shepherd. No, nobody comes to Pilgrim and says, Pastor Fortunato is my shepherd. I shall not want. No, the Lord is your shepherd. That's your pastor. The Lord. People need to stop. The man behind the pulpit isn't the shepherd. Jesus Christ is. We need to follow him. No man can save your soul. And no pastor, no man, no human man, no man standing behind a pulpit should mean that much to anybody. Jesus Christ, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's who we all need to have our eyes on. And I know we could stop right there. I know that sounds, well, what about, yeah, what about it all? What about just following the shepherd? 
I mean, if we just did, if we, if we all just did that, don't you think the church would work and grow? Who do we follow? The good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. If someone is going to use their gift of pastoring teaching and teaching, guess who they had to have gone through the door? Guess who they have to have as their shepherd? The Lord Jesus Christ. I know it sounds too simple. It just can't work, but it works if we all look to Jesus Christ. Verse number 12, but he is an hireling and not the shepherd. Whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hiring, the hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. You saw the word hireling, and you saw the word careth not. There isn't anything wrong or sinful with a pastor taking home a salary or some a love offering or whatever you want to call it to make it sound spiritual. The bottom line is there's nothing sinful with a preacher getting paid. What is sinful is being an hireling. That means someone that is just doing it for the money. You got to pay them to care, <laughs> which means they don't care. What they care about is money. They don't care about you. Just turn on the internet, turn on the TV, send me your money, send me your money. Jesus said in verse 14, watch it again. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the father knoweth me. Even so know I the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I can't lay down my life for you. You can't lay down your life for me. Verse 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Fold the church, one shepherd, and it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. And we're all sheep in his, in his fold. That's where we are sheep. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I that lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Went over this a little bit with the first uh, JW I was telling you about this morning. Um, now go down to verse 26. But ye believe not because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This is loaded. How do you become a sheep in the fold? You go through the door, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you stay not a sheep? Verse 26. But ye, what does it say? Believe not. 
Salvation is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whose voice are we listening for? It says, my voice. Jesus said, my voice. Who are we to point people to follow? Jesus said, follow me. Don't follow me. Don't listen to my voice. Hear past my voice. Hear the voice of Jesus Christ. That's why we're always pointing people to what God said. Eternal life. I can't give you that. You can't give me that. I mean, you can get plucked out of Cookville. You can get plucked out of Pilgrim. I mean, you can get plucked out of your assigned seat. But you, you, I mean, but if you, if you leave this church, you don't leave the flock. You don't leave the fold. You've got eternal life. You're secure in Father's hand. Amen. We went over Ephesians 4. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but it says, um, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. According to John 10, I can't give you eternal life. No pastor can. Biblically, what should a pastor be doing? Setting the example. Leading teaching, caring, not being a hireling, pointing people to who? Mm -hmm. So you don't see the man, you see past the man, and that man points you to see Jesus Christ. What's the focal point of this pulpit? All the men that come up here to preach are trying to get them to see past them, hear past them, and hear Christ. See Christ, desire Christ, give Jesus Christ a like, give Jesus Christ a thumbs up or the heart. That's the whole idea of the teaching in the pulpit ministry is to get people to see Jesus Christ. Do you see Christ in this? How about the book of Zechariah? The second to the last book in the Bible. Let's go there. Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13. Look at verse number six. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? That he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Look at your hands. Do you have wounds in your hands? Look at my hands. Do I have wounds in my hands? Who has wounds in his hands? That be the Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? Verse number seven. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. In Luke 12, it says, fear not, little flock. And yeah, Jesus Christ it says, fear not, little flock. Well, I'm telling you, we're mighty and we're strong in Christ. 
That's where our strength comes from. Uh, in Christ and his grace. But in Zechariah 13, we're talking about the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. This is Zechariah 13. This is the same as Isaiah 53. This is the Lord laying on him the iniquity of us all. It's the same idea. Matthew 26, it says, Then says Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd. That's your cross-reference to Zechariah 13. And the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. I cannot lay claim. No pastor can lay claim to being the shepherd. We don't have the wounds in our hands, according to Zechariah 13. But Jesus Christ does. And he rightfully can lay claim as being the, the shepherd. Go to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. First Peter two twenty one, and might as well get get your finger in Hebrews thirteen. Flip back a couple of pages, and we'll just get both so we can flip to them quickly. First Peter two and Hebrews thirteen. First Peter two, the Bible says in verse twenty one, for even hereunto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. An example for all teachers or leaders in the church is to follow Christ's example, and then you'll be a good example. The Bible says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to that judgeth righteously. And here it is. Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. No man died for your sin. No preacher died for your sin. No elder, deacon, bishop, church leader. No, nobody died for your sin or my sin except, save one, Jesus Christ. Um, in his own body, the wounds in his hands, all that. That's Jesus. For ye, verse 25, were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls sorry the office of the shepherd is taken <laughs> and it's taken by the lord the lord hebrews 13 look at verse 20 now the god of peace that brought again from the dead our lord jesus 
that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Sorry, the claim of the great shepherd is taken. <laughs> Guess who it's taken by? It's taken by the Lord Jesus Christ. No man behind a pulpit can lay claim to being the great shepherd. The Bible says the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Remember we talked about that up to down authority? And how we all are on the same plane? We don't exalt one gift over another gift. Do you have gifts from the Lord? A good biblical New Testament church won't allow you to give preeminence to your gift over someone else's gift. A good biblical New Testament church won't allow the pastor who has the gift of pastoring and teaching to exalt his gift over anyone else's gift. Is it an upfront vocal gift? Yeah. But there shouldn't be exalting of gifts. Because we're a body. Okay? We're a body. And the body should work together. Well, shouldn't the pastor? No, that's just what you think. The stuff you don't want to do. You say, well, they don't think the pastor should do it. What, the question is, what has God called you to do? What gifts has God given you and exercise those gifts? And in a good, healthy church, whatever your gift is, you should have liberty to exercise that gift. You know, uh, in Luke, go to the book of Luke. There are four instances. And it's all in Luke 2. Go to Luke chapter number 2. Of literal shepherds, you know, the real deal shepherds. Watch, it's. As we look at it from this perspective, look at two, I'm sorry, Luke two, verse number eight. The Bible says, and they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. These, these are real shepherds out in the field. You know what they're doing? They're watching over their flock. Kind of gives us a little bit of a hint or an example of the idea of a, of a pastor. He should be watching and caring over the flock. Look at verse number 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Those shepherds are obeying the Lord. The Lord made known unto something. They're just not making stuff up. I mean, isn't that an interesting correlation when we look at what the literal shepherds did? Uh, look at verse number 18. And all that they heard, it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. In other words, the shepherds gave them some things to think about. The shepherds told them what the Lord, uh, what the angels told them to report. 
Yes, that's a lot of words that basically make the point that, you know what a good pastor teacher does? He tells you what the Lord said. <laughs> and then you get to wonder about it. You get to chew on it. You get to think on it. He doesn't just give you his best idea. Look at verse 20, the last one. There's four of them in Luke 2. Last one in verse number 20. The Bible says, and the shepherds, here's good, returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told unto them. Four instances in the New Testament where it's like literal real shepherds. And just to make the practical application of, at the end of the day, they're glorifying and praising God. Shouldn't you and I, even if you don't have the gift of pastoring and teaching, but shouldn't you and I, shouldn't all preachers, all teachers of the word of God, just at the end of the day, want to give praise and glory to God? I think, I think they should. I think they should. Acts 20. We, we live in a day, and uh, I think Zach did a great job this morning opening up the word of God. I really was blessed by his message. It was evident that he studied. Um, and one of the things that he talked about was celebrity pastors. And don't we live in a day of celebrity pastors? I mean, we really do. I don't know if I want to. I don't want that much headache. Who wants 5,000 people? Who wants 3,000 people? We went to this big church. It was, I mean, it was a mega church. Um, and ironically enough, they, 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 they had the King James Bible. So we were, we were at a point in our life where we, we knew, we knew we wanted the King James Bible. We had, we had studied and wrestled and, and, and we kind of got to the point where, okay, well, where do you go to find one of those? <laughs> and so we ended up finding one, and they used it for the sake of tradition, basically, is the big takeaway, the big point. But at least they had it. And it was a, like 5,000 people. They ran like three services in the morning. I think he preached at like 6.30, 9.30, and 11. So by the time we got there, he was warmed up. He really knew the message. But, you know, the, oh, the point I was going to make is you couldn't get to him. I mean, you want to talk about security, brother. I mean, he had an entourage. You could not get to the preacher. And so, you know, we had this thing where, you know, my wife's wanting to see if I can get with the preacher. And I couldn't. <laughs> I said, I bet you I can. No, I couldn't. You could not get to him. I mean, you have to schedule weeks out. Now, I guess if you got 5,000 people, you got to do that. I don't know. I've never. How do you minister to that many people? Celebrity pastors. Acts 20. Celebrity pastors are the ones that people want to follow. Or they're the ones, the pastors are the ones who want people to follow them. And what I, I guess I'm putting forth tonight is. Don't follow me. Look past me and follow Christ. And if I'm following Christ, then follow me because ultimately you would be following Christ. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Please help me out. Okay. 
Acts 20, verse 27. The Bible says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. How do you know if you're a mega preacher or in a mega church? They will not declare all the counsel of God. They won't. Parts of the Bible will be left out by design. And that's not what God wants us to do. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Whose church is it? God's church. Why is it God's church? Okay, let me ask you this. The, pl the place that you live at, whose house is it? Yours? If I went there and, and if, if, if I came over to your house tonight, brother, and said, uh, yeah, yeah, this is my house. Just You could just go ahead and move on. You'd be like, what in the world are you talking about? Get off my property. Why is it your house? You paid for it. <laughs> you purchased it. So you have the right to lay claim to it and say, get off my property. <laughs> you do. You purchased it. Whose church is it? God's church. Why is it his church? He purchased it. What did he purchase it with? His own blood. Only he can lay claim to his flock. My job is to oversee spiritual dangers from without, trying to come within, and spiritual dangers from within, trying to make the thin thing explode from within. This idea of pastoral authority really is a joke. It should be. I'm not the authority. Jesus Christ is. And if I'm preaching his word, if I'm teaching his word, if if, if Zach is preaching and teaches his word, if Derek and Eric and, and, and all the men of the church are preaching and teaching God's word, we all get to look past all those men and see who. Jesus Christ. That's the aim of a New Testament church to look past the man and see Jesus Christ. You can just Google pastor scandals. I mean, it'd just be pages of stuff. Pages. Brian Houston from Hillsong. A whole sinful mess. Jeremy Foster from Hope City Church. Matt Chandler from the Village Church. Um, well, you say, well, yeah, well, they don't have Baptist in the name. How about Jack Hiles? How about Jack Schopp? How about uh, a, a, a sicko man by the name of Bill Gothard? All those names, you know what they're tied to? Scandal. You know why? Because they got the man of God syndrome. And they decided that they were above the Lord. They decided that 
well, hey, it's just a blessing to be around me. <laughs> I have three, four, five millions of people. Some of them had following them. If you look at how, if you look at the scope of their ministry, whose church is it? Whose church is it? God's church. God's church. Church, I'm telling you, we got to lay claim to this. We have got to lay claim to this idea that it is the church, the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, like we said this morning. It's the Lord's church. That's, that's the, the boat that I want to row in. Um, let's get back to the text. Um, over which, look at verse 28, over which the voting deacon board hath made you overseers. You, you can do all this voting all you want. If the Holy Ghost ain't in it, it's all for naught. I mean, it is. Now, if you want to do all that stuff, and the Holy Ghost is in it. All right, then fine. Help yourself. Go ahead. But look, the Holy Ghost has to be in it. Or it doesn't matter what man does. And the job is to feed the church, not my church, not your church. It's the body of Christ, which we are all a family and a part of. It's the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, may I remind you that there are grievous wolves. Is that what it says? There's grievous wolves. Are they going to come in? Yes. Guess whose job gets to be the bad guy? Pay <laughs> me. It just it just comes with the territory. Dads, if some stranger came on your property and tried to come into your house and steal your goods and pillage your house and family. And take your children and harm your wife. Guess whose responsibility it is to take care of business? That be you. <laughs> well, we're just pacifist. Not on that day, I'm not. <laughs> it's time to shoot some wolves. I'm telling you, a wolf wants to come in and destroy the flock. It's time to chase some wolves out. Because they ain't going to spare you. They're not. They're not. That means, that means uh, included young people, pay attention, all these youth ministries and youth groups where kids just kind of come in and they basically run the thing and you have you have a child that's their parents are trying to raise them in a good godly home and their parents are trying to put them in a church where at least there's some standards. But you got some some leadership that's not really paying attention. And what do they do? They let a crop of young boys come in and defile the young girls. You get a crop of young girls that come in and are going to defile the young boys and you make a mess of the thing. Why? Because there's no leadership to say, hey, enough's enough. We're not doing it that way. We're not doing that here. You might have to chase some sheep off or some, some wolves off if they don't want to be part of the sheepfold. They're just going to come in real nice and sly.
Are we okay with this? Because I'm not sure how people take this kind of stuff. All right, I'm serious. This, if we're gonna, if we're gonna multiply youth, do we just want to fill a building, or do we want to have hearts being filled with the love of Jesus Christ? We can fill a building. We can do that. We got enough men in here that have got enough business experience to figure that kind of stuff out. Jesus Christ is the shepherd. Colossians 1. Uh, verse number 17, Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things, Jesus Christ. And by him all things consist, Jesus Christ. And he is the head of the body, the church. The elder isn't the pastor. Some of this stuff will make sense next week when I say elder. The deacon isn't the pastor. The bishop isn't the pastor. The pastor isn't the pastor. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ is the head. Jesus Christ is the pastor. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. It's him. He's the head. That in all things he might have the preeminence. I know I keep hammering the same. I know we've gone over this verse before. I know we have. People come and, and, and they've come. And it, it's happened two or three times. Well, where is Sunday school in the Bible? Where is you coming into a church and bringing those ideas the first time you come in the Bible? Who comes to a church and just starts making these aggressive claims the first or second time? Who does that? I mean, can't you just save it until three, four months after you get to know some people? Don't you think it'd be nice to just invite somebody out to lunch and just buy them a cup of coffee and say, hey, how's things going? <laughs> Sunday school's in the Bible. If Christ is the head of it. Does it say in all things he should have the preeminence? So if you have a Sunday school and Christ isn't and, and, and if Christ isn't the head and he doesn't have the preeminence, then it's unbiblical and get rid of it. If next Sunday Chrissy shows up and behind her is Pretzel's the clown and Pretzelette the clowness and they're going to be juggling and they're going to be doing all of these fun, happy games, but the Bible's never cracked open. The hymn is never sung. The name of Jesus Christ is never mentioned. Does the Lord have preeminence over that? Then that's unbiblical. Get rid of that Sunday school. It says in all things, you know, midweek services and in the Bible, there's no command to have an evening service. None of that's in the Bible. None of it. You shouldn't purchase property and land and have a building because that's not in the Bible. Okay, come on, man. We just don't want to get hit by the rain, okay? We just want to place the meat where it looks nice and people can be comfortable. That's all, that's all we want. 
if you're running light shows and you're bringing in Houdini the magician and you're bringing in all of this Hollywood stuff in a building, then it's unbiblical. Get rid of the building. It's not for, it's for nothing. If Christ has the preeminence in this place, then the building is being used for his glory. All that we do, he should have the preeminence. Are you singing on the street? Are you preaching on the street? Is it for you or for him? Should be for him. I tell you, we came here. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm preaching for God. This is for the Lord. And if he sends people, we want to praise him. He must have the preeminence. Ephesians 4. We'll start winding down, but I just really want us all to get this. I think we need to. Um, verse. What's the key to verse 11? Look at Ephesians 4.11. I know we read it earlier. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What's the key to this verse? The gift. He gave some pastors and teachers. What is the key to that verse? To stop worrying about who's going to run the church. And to stop worrying about who is going to be the authority of the church. And to stop worrying about trying to usurp the authority that isn't yours. That's some preaching for me. I don't have authority. The key to verse 11 is, do you believe that we are a true New Testament biblical based church? Do you believe that? I do. I believe that. I want to be that. Then Jesus Christ will run it. Jesus Christ will build it. All we have to do is get plugged in and use the gifts that he gave us. And I'm telling you, he will use us and he will build his church. For where, there, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, we all know that has been used by the modern church and people don't want to go to church as an excuse to just be, you know, okay, it's living room Baptist. We get that. But I'm telling you, this is a true verse. Why? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You want to be a New Testament church? Whose name do we gather in? Whose name? Tell me, Nick Church, whose name do we gather in? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I, don't ask me to result to this pastoral authority game where I have to just control everything and everybody. Do this or else. I have to, the minute I have to start playing pastoral authority card, we cease to have a little flock, and what we have is a gathering of goats. <laughs> Look, discipline has to happen. Okay? But this idea of the pastor scaring everybody into serving God and scaring everybody to come all the, all the services and scaring everybody to go out and witness He'd be better off just teaching and preaching the Bible and just setting the example and doing what God told him to do. Should I compel? Yes. Yeah. Should I teach? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Get all that. 
if a wolf comes in, do I need to run him off? Sure. And with the help of some other men, that'd be great as well. But the idea that the pastor has all the authority, I just don't see it in the Bible. The Lord does. The Lord does. Look at verse 12. We see at the end, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what the flock is referred to. Look at verse 16. From who the whole body fitly joined together and compacteth by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, the measure of every part, maketh increase of, here it is again, the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The flock is referred to as a body, as a body. What's the only reason it can work? Look at verse 7 and 8. The only reason it can work, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. It doesn't work because I got a certificate that said office of pastor. It doesn't work because some men locally in some other town voted in somebody. And because something happened on earth by a vote by men, well, now it's, no, I'm telling you, it only works because of verses six and seven. God gave, he gave gifts to his body and his body must exercise those gifts. The responsibility, look at verse 12, as we close out, look at verse 12. I have a responsibility when I pray, I pray that God's saints would be edified. See what it says? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. The body must be edified. I've been placed within this local body by God to give an account to God for my service to God and for our service as a local church to God. I am not the man of God. I am not the reverend. Psalms 111 says he sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. I'm not a man of God. I'm not a reverend. Reverend is God's name. Holy is his name. I'm not holy father. And call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. If we just get as low as we can get, and if I just take the position that, look, I just want to feed God's flock and do the work of the ministry and edify his saints, things start to fall in place. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.